This is the San Francisco Experience with your host, Jim Herlihy. Independent news commentary with a California perspective. Season 7, Episode 14. Christo's Running Fence, 45 Years Later. An interview with Eric Stanley, history curator at the Sonoma County Museum. Running Fence was a massive art installation by renowned artist Christo and his wife, Jean-Claude, completed on September 10, 1976. Look at the episode artwork on the opening page of this podcast to get a sense of the work. It was a series of white nylon fabric panels hung on aluminum frames that snaked 24 and a half miles over ranch land in Sonoma and Marin counties, crossing Highway 101 and plunging into the Pacific Ocean at Bodega Bay. The 18-foot-high fence was made of 2.2 million square feet of heavy woven white nylon fabric consisting of 2,050 panels hanging from steel cables. 2,050 steel poles, each 21 feet tall, were sunk three feet into the ground. It not only crossed Highway 101, which is the main thoroughfare from Los Angeles up to the Oregon border, but 14 additional roads and private property of 59 ranchers to reach the Pacific Ocean. The art piece is said to have been inspired, in part, by fences which demarcated the Continental Divide in Colorado. Once it was completed on September 10, 1976, it stood for 14 days and then was dismantled, leaving no trace behind. Two visible markers still stand today, close to the village of Bodega and Valley Ford in West Sonoma County. I remember visiting Running Fence in September 1976, and it created quite a buzz in the Bay Area, as 1976, of course, was the bicentennial of the United States. The billowing white panels set against the golden hills and fields of West Sonoma County were whimsical and welcoming at the same time. It was like a giant clothesline of white sheets that had been hung out to dry, flapping in the wind. The cost of the project was entirely underwritten by the artist. He and his wife went on to create other massive art installations in Biscayne Bay in Miami, where he wrapped 11 small islands in pink skirts, and the gates in Central Park in New York, which was festooned with large orange curtains. So who was Christo and Jean-Claude, and why did they choose Sonoma County and Marin County for this massive work? With us today to discuss Running Fence on its 45th anniversary is Eric Stanley, Curator of History at the Sonoma County Museum. Eric is a graduate of Sonoma State University. Eric, welcome to the show. Hi, Jim. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. My pleasure. Eric, please take a few moments to tell our listeners about yourself and the Sonoma County Museum. Yes, well, um, I'm 
the uh, associate director and curator of history here at the Museum of Sonoma County, and we're a, uh, an art and history museum both, and uh, we've been here in uh, downtown Santa Rosa since uh, 1985, so we're actually uh, um, just past our own uh, anniversary year for the museum, and you know, you were talking about, we're going to be talking about running fence, and you mentioned the bicentennial year, the museum has its own kind of connection uh, with that. We were actually a, originally a, a bicentennial project. So our um, our building that we're in is the uh, the old 1910 uh, Santa Rosa Post Office building, and the bicentennial commission uh, project uh, was to save this building, which was uh, saved from demolition and then uh, turned into uh, a museum. The building was actually moved. Uh, across town and uh, turned into the Sonoma County Museum originally, and, and we've uh, expanded since then. So we now kind of occupy a whole uh, block in downtown Santa Rosa, including a, a sculpture garden on one side and the, uh, the old post office building, and then uh, a fairly recent addition um, since 2015, uh, large art gallery. Um, art space on on the other side of the building and um, you know we uh, since we'll be talking about running fence today one of the transformative moments of the museum really in its, its development was the uh, the acquisition the gift of a large collection of, of works by Christo uh, that kind of helped change and help the museum evolve and so that's uh, Part of the reason um, I'm probably here today to talk about it because uh, we've been sort of steeped in Christo and uh, his Christo and John Claude and their story and uh, running fence. Because I'm not an art historian, I'm a, I'm a pure historian, but uh, really it's become um, as much about history um, as uh, as it is about art. Um, and so I think those things uh, kind of go hand in hand. Um, so, so Eric, yeah. why don't you, uh, why don't we talk about running fence and, um, yeah. uh, tell us about the, tell us about the gift that was, uh, that was made to the museum, yeah. when it was made, who made it to the museum and how you're curating that gift for, uh, for museum yeah. goers like myself. Certainly. So, uh, we received, uh, this gift, and it's really sort of the backstory. Maybe the, the backstory of the gift is really connected uh, uh, with the running fence. So, uh, one of the great things about the story of the running fence is really the the, the struggle uh, for Christo to get permission for Christo and John Claude to get permission to get to carry out this project. There were all kinds of complications, and one of my <laughs> one of my favorite quotes you know, about the running fence comes from uh, Dana Barron, a, a local columnist, who said, really, the running fence was a dream come true for a, a reporter. You know, she said, the crystal story was ideal. There's no spilling of blood, no lives ruined, just good, clean acrimony. And so <laughs> it really became, you know, a, a, and, and to her mind, that's what made it, you know, so incredible. There was so much to, to write about and talk about. And so, uh, you know, so much of what he did was Christo and Jean-Claude, what they did, uh, you know, was amounted to attending 
you know, hearings and appearing for the Board of Supervisors and um, dealing with the environmental impact report and, you know, all of those sorts of things that were required uh, to get permission um, to do the project. And during one of those meetings, there happened to be another um, gentleman there who was uh, working on permits of his own by the name of uh, Tom Golden. Uh, and Tom happened to be one of those guys who uh, was the unofficial mayor of the, of the town, a town of Freestone. Ah, uh, yes, indeed, yeah, yes. Uh, Where we yeah. we live, uh, we live close to the ta- the little hamlet of Freestone. There you go. And the the historic building there, the old hotel, uh, is where Tom uh, lived with his his partner, and he. Um, at the time, I think this is 1974, uh, was working on permits of his own and happened to simply encounter uh, Kristen and Jean-Claude there to appear before the, uh, you know, before the board to uh, request permits uh, for the project. And he became intrigued and uh, sat in on the hearing and eventually approached Christo and developed a relationship um, with Christo and Jean-Claude. And he would, as you may know, uh, Christo, they pay for all of their projects. They don't accept donations or they are volunteers. They uh, would pay for all participants in it. And as they became friends with uh, Tom, Tom uh, offered to, uh, or became actually a project manager for a later project, the Umbrella. Uh, that Christo and John Claude uh, erected in Japan and the United States uh, simultaneously. Um, and as he would do projects with them, he would ask for payment and artwork instead of in, in money, in, in cash. And so through that method, he amassed um, what was, I think at the time, the largest private rehouse collection of works by, by Christo. And these are... Um, the collages, the preparatory drawings, the official photographs uh, um, from a whole variety of his projects, including running fence, but uh, dozens and dozens of his projects, some of which were, many of which were realized and some of which not. So we have, you know, things in the collection that represent projects that were never completed, like the, uh, the Moscow, which was, you know, supposed to be this huge um, pyramid of uh, of oil barrels built in Abu Dhabi. Oh uh, yes, in fact, wasn't wasn't the Mastaba? Wasn't that also installed in London, uh, in the Serpentine in London? I saw a picture of it. It's a very colorful, uh, like a pyramid of of, uh, yeah. of oil drums, right? Yeah, that's correct. And Christo had done a number of things with with oil oil drums. Uh, over the years, I don't know about the one in London, but uh, I know he hasn't. They never completed the one in, uh, in Abu Dhabi. So, um, but anyway, that's how. And it's kind of interesting because Tom Golden, who amassed this collection, he was also one of the major proponents of the museum in uh, during the bicentennial uh, commission. So eventually, so he was a friend of the museum, and he eventually donated that collection to us. Um, not long before he passed away, uh, so he donated that to us in 2001, and that really, um, you know, changed the identity of the museum itself in a lot of ways. And, uh, that was a, a major, major part of our 
uh, of our collection. And so we have hosted, you know, reunions of uh, the ranchers from the running fence, um, whose property the, the fence crossed, and we, we hosted Kristen and John Claude once or twice uh, over the years. And so we've been, we've been connected to it. And we've shown that collection a couple times uh, here at the museum, but it's actually now uh, traveling. It's actually in, in Florida uh, at the moment. Um, so Eric so is the so the collection the, the collection that uh, that Tom Golden actually gave to the Sonoma County Museum is that is that primarily running fence or it's also umbrellas and other uh, works that uh, that Christo and Jean Claude worked on? Yeah, it's uh, it's across the board, and that's one of the I think the fun things uh, about this collection is it cuts across so many of, of his projects. So it includes, uh, you know, surrounded islands and uh, the continent with uh, umbrellas, uh, wrapped Reichstag. Uh, uh, you know, there's buildings that he was uh, in New York or some of the monuments that he wrapped. In, um, and it goes all the way from those bigger projects into much smaller things, some of the, the objects that he would um, wrap or bundle. Uh, or even, you know, uh, collages that he would do of, of those. Um, so it includes all those, and even down to some very personal things, like he, there's a stapler that he wrapped um, <laughs> specifically for Tom. It was like a, a gift. I think Tom asked him to, uh, to wrap it, and uh, a couple other little more, you know, kind of personal things that he, that was specifically made. Uh, I think there's a wrap flowers. So Eric, is the, is the Sonoma, is the Sonoma County Museum, is it fair to say that the Sonoma County Museum is uh, one of the, or the most important Christo Jean-Claude collections in the world? Um, I I think that's, I think it's pretty fair to say, I mean, at least, you know, at least in the United States. Um, I mean, the other collections that I think about, of course, are the, um, because um, Christo and Jean-Claude gave the definitive running fence collection to the Smithsonian, what was that, about just a little over a decade now. Um, and at the time, you know, the Smithsonian sort of declared running fence what, one of the greatest artworks of the last half of the 20th century. Really? Um, and then they, yes. And then, um, um, was that caught up in their effort to get that collection? I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, but, but, yeah, and, uh, I, I, they really put it put it up there, and I think it's fair to that artwork in a, on a, you know, in that last half of the 20th century is a really um, sort of important and, and, and groundbreaking work. And so, why was Christo? Uh, it it why is was, one of the most significant collections. Why was Christo and Jean Claude? Why were they both so attracted to Sonoma? It sounds as though they had a very special relationship, not only with Tom Golan, Golden, but with uh, with the county, with the countryside itself. Yeah, well, I, I know, I, I mean, they didn't develop that until they were scouting, I think, for uh, for for the running fence. I mean, it's kind of interesting to think about where running fence lands in Crystal's, uh, uh, Crystal and Jean-Claude's career of doing this kind of big projects because they were, had done, um, you know, kind of in, in the 60s, they'd done, he'd done the, uh, back to oil barrels, he'd done the wall of oil barrels, the iron curtain uh, in Paris, 
um, in 61 and, and 62. Um, and so it was even sort of around that time that he kind of established his kind of um, typology, right? The types of work he was doing, you know, barriers or curtains. Um, that, and there's also this kind of contra- contradiction in his work, right? These things that either divided or separated that actually make you think about how uh, things are connected or how they're whole. Hmm. Um, or he would take mundane objects and uh, um, he was famous for, of course, uh, wrapping these kind of objects or doing things like, um, like we have one work in the collection that says uh, uh, storefronts. So it would be like a storefront window where you normally walk by and you know see all the goods laid out where you cover it or wrap it. So I would take these mundane things and add a kind of you know, change its context and add this kind of mysterious sense of, you know, what is this thing and what's its function and that, you know, kind of. So he established, he established both those things by the 60s, but he hadn't done, you know, he'd wrapped um, uh, monuments and he'd done he, um, what was called the 5600 cubic meter package in Germany, which I think was, was error. I mean, it was, and had balloons or something like that made it, you know, um, standing up. And then he wrapped the, the wrapped coast in 1969, which was the coastline in Australia. And that might have been one of the first kind of major out in the, the landscape, earth arch kind of um, um, project. And then he'd done a Valley, Valley Curtain um in Colorado, and I think you made a reference to this in, in the lead-up that they'd seen the uh, the fences, uh, the steel fence or the Continental Divide in, in the Rockies, and that, uh, as I've read about it, is the, was the inspiration. I was seeing uh, those fences that stimulated the idea of this, this fence that would run along the landscape, and then became this scouting for the right place to put it. And I think there was a place in the Oregon coast and then the California coast that came down to those, to those two, two places. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and so I would, so I think that's how they ended up landing, landing on it. Um, and it had so much to do with just the, in fact, I got a good quote here from the, the who was the curator at the time, the Smithsonian who accepted the running fence collection. Is, perception of it was that it was, you know, his quote was, it's the topography, you know, such a contrast between the coast and the hills, clumps of trees, the fence took advantage of the very sculptural nature of the land, mm. and of sur- surfacing and hiding in that land. And so he said the landscape was deterministic, this project, you know, and this project really put Chris on the map. Mm-hmm. Um, now yeah. let's let's and come back to is, let's come back to the Smithsonian Institute. You said that sure. the Smithsonian categorized running fence as one of the most important uh, art installations of the second half of the twentieth century. Why was that? Why what uh, what was it about the running fence for the Smithsonian Institute to give it such a uh, give it such great prominence? Well, I mean, I don't know if I can answer that totally. Um, Simply, but I think well, I mean, one of the things that people talk about a lot is the fact that it kind of defies um, easy categorization. You know, he kind of falls into you know, is it uh, uh, is it kind of uh, 
conceptual and that because you know Chris so often would say his process. I mean, he declared this in front of some of the meetings in Santa County. You're all part of my process, right? You're all part of my artwork. And you know, some people like to hear that, and some people, <laughs> some people did not want to be part of his part artwork. Of artwork. Uh, when he'd say that, it's like you're all part of it. So there's, you know, there's undeniable he's got this conceptual part to it. Is, is it environmental art or, or earth art? I mean, a lot of that is more typically left on the landscape or done in kind of, you know, more obscure places. And um, so I think there is a sense of that it it, it it touches on all these kind of things that were happening in, in, the, in the middle of the 20th century and the way art was um, shifting away from, you know, traditional things, but it's not um, super easily uh, categorized. I think and something that uh, the curator has pointed out, you can't lose sight, and, I bet, and of course the U.S. County, looking at it from a historical and social perspective, you can't lose sight of all the, the efforts uh, that had to go in to get the permission. And there's something, so if you want to look at it broadly, and that all the people that were involved are also part of the artwork itself and what the process was, and that's that, that's kind of where a lot of the magic is. I think they're running because Those ranchers and the people who were won over yeah. uh, to them, Crisco became their artist. And they would travel, I mean, some of these people traveled to see the... Uh, later to Florida to see the uh, let's, islands. Or, let's just come back to let's come back to these ranchers because, um, as I mentioned yeah. to you, uh, we spend we spend half of our week in West Sonoma County, the other half of the week here in San Francisco, and uh, the the ranchers of West Sonoma County are are wonderful people, but I don't consider them to be um, avant garde art connoisseurs. I tend to think no. of them as being very <laughs> no. down to earth wonderful, hardworking people. But um, when they were first presented with this very avant-garde, massive art project, was there a lot of resistance from them? Did it take a lot of persuasion to get them on board? Well, I think, you know, it's interesting because that's another fascinating thing. It's a, a bit of, um, you know, flipped uh, expectations here. Back, back to Gail Barrett, who wrote a lot about this at the time, you know, when she was saying, oh, this was a gift to reporters, because there were surprises at every turn. You know, the 60s liberals who were supposed to understand all this conceptual stuff lined up against Crystal's project, while the conservative West County ranchers, you know, joined the gallery owners, curators, and art professors in support. So it had its own fascinating dynamic. And I think it did take a fair amount of convincing, but it's not, you know, it's interesting some of the stories uh, that go along with it because the, the project director was the um, art historian and curator Peter Sells, um, who was the, the project director. He was the first uh, wave out to go meet. So, the, you know, the running press had to cross 58, 59 separate private properties, most yep. of which were, were ranches. Uh, and so, I think that's a pretty daunting task. <laughs> to go out absolutely uh, to all those all those different people, and he was sort of a first wave, and he describes it. He, you know, they would go out there and talk to them and get a lot of skepticism, and um, uh, even the point. Of, and there's some stories about oh, that you know, Jean Claude would offer them a washing machine or something. That, that, that he talked about that a little bit. That they were they had all the things. It wasn't like couldn't be sort of 
uh, bribed, <laughs> whatever. It wasn't that wasn't going to be the longest time. But, and so I think Peter Sells felt he did, he didn't have a lot of success when Chris Dell and John Claude appeared. And you get this you get this story from a lot of the ranchers. Uh, one of them uh, by the name of uh, Lester Broom, uh, who became he said something effective. Well, I don't know anything about art, but I I liked them. And he also uh, kind of came around to see, well, this is going to really be valuable in terms of tourism. He saw uh, value in that. So I think it's, it's easy to like, just kind of label people with, you know, oh, they're going to react this way or they're going to react that way. Um, but it's obviously not always the case. Uh, um, so uh, in the case of Lester Bruin, he ended up being... Uh, the, the, and I think the, the secret to that was they just talked to people in their homes and talk to them more than once and spent some time with them. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. I, I really think that's just what it boiled very, down to. Sounds as though it was a very and, personalized, very personalized pitch on, on the part of Christo and Jean-Claude. And Eric, as, as we, as we come into the last few remaining moments of the podcast, is there anything else about running fence that you'd like our listeners to know in this, the 45th, year anniversary year of this uh, of this great work of art yeah well i think i mean again what continues i think to from my perspective to be inspiring about it is is looking at the continued impact you know of it and how people remember it um because as i said in the those ranchers and people who ended up traveling out to see uh his other projects and people still, you know, at different anniversaries, people would gather, uh, big gatherings, uh, some of, a couple of which we've hosted here. So uh, I think that's it. How, um, you know, how impactful something something like that uh, could end up being mm-hmm. uh, and continue to have, you know, ripple effects. Um, uh, I, I, I think that's, that's kind of what I take away from it. And um, it's, just looking, like as we said, you know, there's so many surprising things about uh, the effort to get to get permission for it. Even some mm-hmm. of the people who were opposed to it and who remained opposed to it. I mean, all those stories. So it really becomes, you know, I mean, you want to be corny about it the same way we attempt uh, tend to do accentuate and highlight uh, the rolling hills of western Sonoma County, the, all of the um, discussion and um, arguing over the fence tended to highlight certain things about the people of Sonoma County. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, that's something that's kind of fascinating and, and of lasting value to, to look back on. So. Uh-huh. Well, I'd like to thank our guest, Eric Stanley, from the Sonoma County Museum for sharing his insights about running fence in this, the 45th anniversary year, of Christo and Jean-Claude's remarkable work of art. Well, thank you very much for having me. Glad to be here. My pleasure, Eric, and we'll look forward to having you back again real soon. And also, very good. also for my listeners, please go to my website and check out my blog for some additional photographs of Running Fence from the historical archives. And finally, please take a moment 
to visit our website, www.thesanfranciscoexperiencepodcast.com, and subscribe. It's free to do so. By subscribing, it ensures that all future episodes come directly to your inbox. The website also gives you access to the 135 previous episodes. You can read my blog, send me an email, or peruse my book. This has been the San Francisco Experience with your host, Jim Herlihy, reporting to you from America's favorite city, San Francisco.